0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the In Context show This show is going to be a little different in that I'm trying a new structure So each topic will have two or three different parts with a guest on each This will hopefully make the shows more digestible So this topic is race, specifically the Black Lives Matter movement My first guest is Olivia Otiba, a journalist whose article on BAME individuals growing up in the UK was picked up and published by The Ferret, which I'll link in the show notes So here's our conversation um, so, I want to start with maybe just talking about the article that you wrote for the Ferret. Yeah, yeah. So, just uh, if you could maybe just um, say what it was about, kind of broadly.
1: Yeah. So basically, did not well, I did not article for my website actually, and I got picked up by the Ferret because it was shared, and it must have. I don't know how they saw it, but they must have saw it somewhere. <laughs> right. Okay. So, be package it for their website um, but the gist of the article was really i'd written a post obviously after george floyd everyone was talking online and i'd written a post just about my own experience um, and then through speaking to other people i noticed that other people were also writing posts or they had the same experience so i was just intrigued to see not just within the black community but just in general and the ethnic community how everyone's dealt with instances of racism or even just ignorance um just reached out to different people a range of different people men women um and from different backgrounds as well and just tried to see how they dealt with it, what they've been through is there a common theme here and the experiences that they were going through um and there was a lot of people went through really similar things to me um some of it was a little bit more minor some of it i mean some people went through even worse than i had um and i think Overall I have been quite sheltered from a lot of racism um, in a way. Um so it was quite an eye-opener to say the mm-hmm. least. Um I think one of the interviewees, if you read it, um one of the interviewees had rocks, you know, thrown at his house and his mum and dad called the N-word, and another person has had their stepdad had been headbutted in a um and he was white even, but just because he was Muslim, um he was head headbutted in a shopping centre and just trying to bring all of those experiences together in one article so it really hits home to people that this is a reality and in Scotland and in England and the whole of the UK this can happen.
0: Mm -hmm. What was like well what was the most shocking part of of, um, things you found out was it the rocks getting chucked to the head or was there anything else?
1: Yeah it was more the violence because like I said I've had little sort of um how would you say it, like, slag-offs? I don't know how you would say it. You know, I've had people throwing a little bit of shade at my hair or, you know, saying things like that. Um, I've never outright been called, like, the N-word or anything so bad. But even the other day, I mean, my mum was telling me, so I slightly off-topic, my mum was telling me when I was younger, she used to get abuse shouted at her when I was in the pram, like, when I was a toddler um, and things like that. And people used to shout, like, oh... BMW at my mum and things like that and just little things that but in the article I would say um yeah the most shocking thing was definitely I would say Joel and Shahida's experiences not to take away from anyone else's experiences yeah. but the sheer violence and abuse that they had dealt with um I couldn't even fathom How I would have made it through that, to be honest. So yeah, definitely their experiences
0: the most. And so, when we're talking about the UK, do you think we're, or even to Scotland as well, do you think we're almost ignorant about our racism? Because I think a lot of people maybe are surprised now to see how Mm. racist our country is. I mean, I think we we were looking onto to the US and everything that's going on in the US is kind of like wow, it's Mm -hmm. shocking there. Without realizing our own issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think in the UK okay yes you have people who are outright racist but I definitely think they're in the minority um, shall we say. I think in the UK it's more subliminal so people make comments um, and maybe think again they're just slagging you off for having a joke um, but it has racial undertones and realistically whether you mean to or not you're still very much you're picking on someone's race you're using that as a dig so whether you mean to be racist or not you're still highlighting someone's skin color or race or abnormalities to benefit your joke or your agenda whatever you're trying to do so i definitely think in the uk it's definitely more subliminal than maybe the us um we're not as a religious country either i think sometimes again um don't want to offend anybody but I sometimes think religion plays a lot into that and um, you know identity, nationality, things like that. Um, so yeah I would say more subliminal definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Even with like I've been trying my best to think of this in the most straightforward way mm-hmm. and it just seems like if you look at someone who's being racist towards someone who is a different skin colour to them mm-hmm. it's like saying like if someone was, had blonde hair it's the exact same as, as saying that. I mean, it's, it's a characteristic that no one chooses, no one's born with, and they, they don't choose yeah. to do that. And it's, it's exactly that ridiculous that we could be just, like, being, like, harassed <laughs> or something yeah. like that. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so you, you spoke about in the article the, the first time you realised that you were, like, quote-unquote, like, different. Mm. Um, so what was, what was that experience? How did, how did that come about? So that was funny actually, I think my mum was making dinner and it was back
1: in the day where you would get like cold calls a lot at the house, Mm -hmm. you know, when people used to come and hand leaflets out Um, and there was a lot more of that back then and that was when the British National Party was around, not so much UKIP, um, it was more the BNP and I just remember, I think my mum must have been making dinner and the door went and me being me um, and just being nosy, I like ran to the door and I was like, hello, hello, how are you? (laughs) Um, and these men kind of they seemed quite hesitant um, but they were still really nice to me I mean you know they were fine but they said over here from the British National Party Um, we're just here to talk to you about our campaign and what we're aiming to do and things like that and my mum came like rushing through from the kitchen and she was like we don't need you know your help we don't need anything from you and kind of threw their leaflets back at them and slammed the door and I was like well why were you so rude like you know why were you so rude and she was like do you you don't know what they stand for you're too young to understand like the ideology behind their political party um so I definitely think she had that was the first time she ever really had to sit down and actually explain that as you get older you are going to see um a lot of politics that doesn't represent you Um, it's important to find um, a political party that does represent you and unfortunately not everybody does. Especially we're talking like late 90s early 2000s and I'm from Newcastle so I come from a council estate. Back then it was it's a lot different to what it is now. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said when I was in my pram people used to shout you know just slurs at my mum in the mid 90s kind of end of the 90s so it's definitely come a long way, especially in Newcastle, for example. Um, but at the same time, that was definitely the first time I think she had to sit and actually explain to me, you are a little bit different here. Like, you know, look around you. You know, there's not really many other people who look like you or have skin co- a skin colour like you. But up until then, she'd never really done that before.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it is important to maybe acknowledge that how far we have come. As well as acknowledging that there's still a long, oh, yeah, a long way to go. But yeah, right. uh, yeah. do you think, um, do you think class plays an important role in this? Should we be concentrating on class? Because it seems like that's something that's not being spoken about a lot, and it maybe, maybe it's may something to be concentrated on. I mean, the amount of people of colour in the UK who are on the bottom end of the of the class system. Do you think that's maybe somewhere to concentrate on?
1: No, because I've met people of both uh, calibers, you know, I've met people who are on the lower end of the class system, who are lovely people. Um, My family, technically, if you look at, they do fit into those boxes. I mean, we come from a council estate, you know, um, my family have been on benefits at some point or universal credit. So, you could technically say that my family are those people. So, I don't like to generalise, because I have only been bought up with my white working class family. I don't like generalizations as a person. I think I just try and see people as they come. I've met older people um, or say more upper class people who are equally as bad as people you find in, you know, on the lower spectrum. So I don't think we can generalize. I think that is a bit of a dangerous game to get into because then you're holding people all a whole group accountable for something that might be more of an individual problem. Because I've met people of all different creeds, races. Colors, ages, genders—who have all either they can be non-racist or they can be racist. I mean, I don't think that it matters to be honest. Which group it is? Do you,
0: do you think maybe there's a danger of, um, like divisive, divisive, groups? So, like, saying that this this group of people are one thing, this group of people are another thing, and it's it's the kind of like almost like a competition, like on, the, on each of these groups. Do you think that creates more friction? Like, um, with like in protests and
1: stuff like that I definitely we' just addressed this in a video I've just done actually, and um, where I interviewed a few people and um, they were all black from the black community, and even they were saying, you know we need to stop holding everybody accountable for being racist. like not all white people are racist, not all black people are criminals. We need to as soon as we eradicate the generalization. I think that's when we see change, but if we're expecting everybody to be the same or have the same opinions or ideologies, to me, that's the opposite. That's not gonna get us any closer to equality. That's just gonna keep us, like you're saying, in this friction state and opposition state. So I definitely think um, that, yeah, we need to just drop the generalizations, to be honest, I don't think it helps. I think you just gotta treat people as individuals, try and educate them where you can about your culture, about what you do, about who you are, um, and obviously, try and collaborate that with um, the rest of society, however you can. I don't, but try not to generalise. I would say.
0: Yeah, and so the protests, well, the protests in the US. Do you think, do you think what's being done in the US is correct? The protests, or is there, I mean, there's looting, which are, I mean, the media tend to cover the looting and the, most of the violence more than they cover the ninety-five percent that are peacefully protesting. But do you think the, the looting or Um, like destruction of property do you think that's just is that making people in power listen or is it doing the opposite and showing them in a negative light?
1: I mean I wouldn't say the looting is doing much to influence it either way again I could be wrong I don't have statistics in front of me I wouldn't say the looting I don't even think you know some black or ethnic people agree with looting that doesn't again it doesn't the generalization that everybody is doing that which the media push quite a lot. They make it seem like everybody in London was looting, when that just isn't the case. Um, so I don't know whether that specifically is making the change. I definitely think the movement itself is making the change and it's making people maybe question their own prejudices or you know, kind of making people question instances where maybe they have been racist or have not meant to say anything. I definitely think education starts at home. So if people can reflect, I think the reflection and the movement itself is making everybody, I think everybody, whether you're on a lower level of the scale um, or a higher level, say corporate or in the government or media, I think it is making everybody question how they report on things and what they've said in the past, the government on how they can be more inclusive. But how long that will take to see change, um, I guess it's up to us as well to get ourselves in these jobs and in these roles and use our voice for more than just looting and being out on the streets causing riots. But again, that's not everybody. So it'll definitely take a while, um, like anything does, um, to see change. But I think as long as people keep on talking about it, and educating, um, I'm sure for the next generation, like when we have children, I'm sure not me and you, but I'm sure when you know Irish children get older, um, hopefully they can look back and see that there was change from even when we were younger. So everything right. takes time, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean speaking about like the corporations, you see, that, I think it's Twitter that are banning words like um, mm. master. There was other companies that started banning master bedroom and slavery stuff like that you can't use do you think that's that just seems to me like if it is a good step it's an extremely small one and it, it might even be going the other side and having the opposite effect.
1: I just think if these companies cared before like then they would have cared before you know like yeah, yeah. if they actually cared about these words then why did it take someone dying or a whole movement for you to understand that. I, I think there's a fine line between representing people and jumping on a bandwagon and to me removing TV shows and you know words, I mean that's is, are we just moving towards lack of freedom of speech? You, you could argue that as well, that people you cannot prohibit simple words like master master bedroom, even slavery because that is a part of our history but You know, we can't change that. We can't change the fact that people use blackface in 2009. But what we can do is we can educate people and say, well, that's not okay now. And instead of removing things, and I think we've just got to be careful that we're not heading into kind of a nanny state where absolutely everything we're doing is being monitored because, I mean, I don't think anybody would want that. Maybe the reality sounds better than what it would be
0: if that did actually happen. Yeah, I mean, that moves into the kind of the cancel culture we've got now, where if, mm. if someone said something ten years ago, or even when they were a kid, and they're getting they're cancelled, their shows are getting cancelled, they're getting a lot of mm. um, like, pushback on it. And I think the, th- the thing that the thing that I think is ironic is it, it tends to be people on the far left that that um, notice these things, and yeah. it's a small percent on Twitter that push it out. And yeah. the ironic thing is that these people are the ones that are for rehabilitation, like redemption, stuff like that for prisoners. So if, some, if someone's like murdered someone, they believe that it should be rehabilitation rather than punishment. But if someone had said something offensive 10 years ago, they're cancelled, they're, they don't get any redemption. It's just such a irony there.
1: I think it's very hypocritical because I think we could all look at our old Instagrams or Twitters or Facebooks, Bebo, back when we were younger, (laughs) um, I think we could all look at that and probably see something that we said that's offensive in today's, like just like you know the n-word was acceptable 100-200 years ago, it's not now, I'm sure Mm -hmm. things that we've said, not that that excuses it, but if Mm -hmm. somebody, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture anyway, I'm a big fan of letting people explain themselves and let's talk it through, let's understand why you said that, let me re-educate you. But to ruin someone's life and livelihood, I mean, you've got to balance the scales because then if someone lost their job and went into debt and had no money and wasn't yeah. allowed to make better content that served today's society, then, you know, then depression rate's going to go up. You know, yeah. you've, got, you've got to watch with, you know, and then people will be saying, well, you know, depression and mental health is so bad now. But maybe it's the pressure of not being able to express yourself or feel it. Even me sometimes doing journalism, sometimes I feel like I can't put what I want to say on Twitter because I'm like, well, if an employer says that, I might not get a job. So even I feel gagged sometimes to put my
0: opinion across um, Mm -hmm. and fear that, someone would be like cancel her you know and yeah I mean that worries me too like before before like filming and stuff like that I get so worried that I'm gonna say I'm because I'm trying I'm trying to mm-hmm. like do something at least be a bit open-minded and where things Same. can be said and like try not to worry too much but I'm so afraid that if I'm, I'm going to say the wrong thing I'm going to offend someone or something like that but I think the, the thing with that is like everything the things I say I'm not 100% behind so if someone was to say what you have said is wrong I'm not going to uh, and if that seems to be the case, I'm not standing behind my argument. I will say things that are wrong, or, or stuff like, or I might even say something that's offensive ten years from then, um, mm-hmm. which is what's happening now. Um, so we talk about looting. So what about in the UK with um, tearing statues down? What do, you, what do you think about that?
1: Leave them up. I mean, it yeah, doesn't affect my life. Um, again, nobody has noticed this until every, like, how many of us walked past St. Andrew's Square in Edinburgh and have ever brought up the fact that it's been detrimental to our mental health? I completely respect people that do want it taken down, but I just feel like it'd be a lot more um, beneficial to put plaques on the statues like Sir Jeff um, Palmer has been proposing, like, put plaques on the statues, let's discuss it, let's educate the youth. Um, again and something out of work I've just done um, with the black community recently they were also saying that as well like let's okay acknowledge the past but let's talk about all the great things that we can do moving forward I don't think taking down a statue is that who, for someone who died 200, 300 years ago who can't apologise now, they can't explain themselves not that that would need explaining, it's wrong um, to enslave people obviously but at the end of the day they can't speak now. We can't hold them accountable. So put that energy into moving forward and thinking, right, what can we put in place so that kids will be educated now? And that, again, in the future, children and every age group and anyone else really can look back and say, OK, well, that's what we have now and this is how far we've come. Mm-hmm.
0: Do, you th- do you think that... Um, another solution would be putting that into like the school curriculum. Because I, I can remember in history of high school, I mean, we learned about I mean, the American slave trade and stuff like that, but I can't, we didn't learn much about um, stuff like that in the UK or the way that Britain was um, founded and stuff like that. And, and the, the like, colonisation of all different countries and stuff like that. I didn't learn that in high school. Do you think that's maybe something we should be learning?
1: Oh 100%, but yeah 100% I definitely think we need to understand how Britain has been formed and the reality of what they've done to other countries, Um, you barely hear about, like literally, you don't hear about, or specifically rather, you don't hear about the countries that they actually colonised. you don't hear much about what they did in those countries, Um, so I would definitely say yes, put it in the curriculum Um, but also don't focus too much on the negative because, again, that can create negative stereotypes in itself. You know, like white people are more superior and black people are, you know, just forever more victims of the white man, you know, or the white women. And I think, you've got, again, you've got to watch with that because if you're teaching kids, well, we were a tough, strong Britain that went in and conquered all these black people, that in itself can create stereotypes. So I think a good, healthy mix of past instances, but also mix that with black and ethnic people who have achieved great things, who have invented, yeah. you know, products or been involved in scientific developments, just make sure it's a balance. And again, not all doom and gloom or poor black people because we're not, well, obviously I have to be careful about this, but obviously people have been victimized. Um, mm-hmm. But we're just as strong as anybody else, you know, like we're just as intelligent as anybody else. So And a lot of people have achieved great things. So I just think, create that balance. Um, And I think that should be implemented 100%. I mean, I think all culture, as much as possible, should be implemented in in the school curriculum.
0: And what about, we are talking about cancel culture, what about um, culture appropriation? So Mm -hmm. people people up in arms about people wearing, like, Native American headdresses or um, white people with dreadlocks. Do you think that's... Do you think that is culture appropriation, or do you think the intense important in there is a more culture appreciation? Because it doesn't seem to me like their the intention is to be mm. offensive.
1: It's a hard. I think it's a it's a hard one. Like I can see where people are coming from because you know I think as an example when a black woman wears a blonde weave, you know everyone mm. like, "Oh my god, she's got bleached blonde hair that you know it totally mm. doesn't suit her." But then why can't she wear that and a white women can wear blonde braids you know like mm-hmm. why is that so shocking um, however imitation is a sincerest form of flattery right so if I was to dress up as Pocahontas for um Halloween or even just a, an a event where there's fancy dress or anything like that yeah. it wouldn't be because I'm trying to culturally appropriate it I think it would be more that again maybe appreciation like I like Pocahontas mm-hmm. I think she's beautiful like I want yeah. to emulate that um so if we take that away as well, and people are too scared to kind of emulate or be inspired by other races, then is that not the opposite of what we're trying to do? No. So I think you've just got to be careful. Do I think obviously you have people who maybe try too hard to emulate black culture? Yes, in instances there can be those people, but in terms of fake tan, I don't care. You know, like everyone loves a tan so if you want a tan (laughs) have one and braids I don't really care because you know I've worn straight extensions before what's the difference when you think about it literally obviously not everyone feels that way and I totally respect that but I think we're focusing too much on the little things rather than the things that are really going to make change
0: what what do you think will make change I mean obviously it has to be something radical but do you think the protests? Do you think well? What do you what do you think the, the main goal of the protests are? Like what what's the route map that they're thinking?
1: See, I've been thinking about this lately, um, and I'm a bit concerned that people don't really know what the end goal is. You know, yeah. like the, there's a lot of shouting, but there's not many solutions. So, you know what is the angle what do you want to see like let's stop focusing on the girl on instagram who we don't know who's wearing braids or fake tan and let's if she wants to do that just you don't have to look at it you know you don't have to see it give me something or give us something a plan like go into schools you know educate the kids on racism like get up do something um i think it's very easy for all of us now to sit on our phones and tweet and not really actually get up and go out and do anything. Um, I definitely think education the first step um, to anything. You've got to learn, right? So I think educate um, the youth, educate ourselves, make sure our children are properly educated on not to be racist to people and to respect people's differences. But what I want to see is less generalisation. Remove these colour stereotypes, like black, you are black, you are white, why why can't we celebrate our own culture the way that we want to, in the way that we feel appropriate, you know, instead of saying, well, you are black, you are white, you are this, you are that, why can't we just be people? And then I can say when I think it's necessary to tell you about where I'm from or my heritage, why do I need to label myself? So I think education, dropping the labels and generalisations and stereotypes, and also more encouragement to inspire kids to get into um, politics, to get into the media, um, to get into other road science, to, you know, set those degrees. Obviously in Scotland, we're very fortunate that we have free university education. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: England aren't so lucky. So I understand that's not also... Maybe logical for people who maybe live in London and the poorest parts of London and places like that but let's make it easier for kids to go into that I don't think there's enough encouragement in schools anyway towards Mm -hmm. children Um, and I'd like to see teachers and things like that maybe encouraging kids a little bit more to follow their dreams and to be whatever they want to be rather than again telling the kid that's slightly restless in school that he's never going to go anywhere if you tell them that that many times (laughs) then they're going to believe it yeah. So what do you want them to do? If you tell the black kid in school that all he's ever going to be is a drug dealer, then he will go and be a drug dealer. What are his talents? What is his passions? And then I think from there, get kids into those roles, a mixture of kids, black, white, ethnic, mixed, anything, Asian, get them into these schools, um, and then we'll, I think we'll see proper change. But again, it's going to take maybe 25 years um, before we really get that balance, but I think right now we're just out of balance. Society yeah. is completely out of balance.
0: And with, with diversity, how, how, how important do you think it should be to focus on having a diverse workforce? Because I, th- I, I, I fear that we focus so much on diversity that we, we're looking at equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. So, if you mm-hmm. focus so much on having the exact same number of um, black people, white people, women, mm-hmm. disabled people, where, where do you start to draw the line? And is the best person for the job getting it? Whereas, if you do for if you work for quality of opportunity, it means everyone's got an equal chance, but not mm-hmm. everyone gets the same outcome. Do you think that? Mm-hmm. Do you think that w- that's better than equality of outcome?
1: I mean. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a difficult one um, I do think, I always use an example of South Africa so obviously we all know South Africa apartheid, what happened there obviously I, I was, remember I was in a job a um, journalism job and I worked in like the energy journalism sector and I came across a story that I had to proofread and repackage and it was basically saying that in South Africa there was this energy company um, who offered black employees only 20% off their energy bill every month But then the white employees were like, well, hang on a minute, you know, what about us? So we have to pay full price because it's all trying to, which is great. And it's all trying to make up for the past, which on one hand is great, acknowledge the wrongdoings. But on the other hand, now in South Africa, there was a protest because they're claiming white apartheid. So where do we draw the line and where do we find the equal in that, right? So I do think having diverse schemes is good. I work for an employer who's very diverse and they're getting better and better and better the more that I work there. But let's not again see ethnic people as numbers, like we're people. I don't understand why, again, it's another way of generalising one culture or one group of people. I think if we just eradicate these stereotypes and stop seeing colour completely that's the way towards um, inclusivity rather than you know kind of saying well okay we'll have five black employees and two white employees and or ten white employees and two black employees because then it just becomes again you kind of feel like you're just there as a token where I want to be there because I know that you want me there not because you're just trying to tick a box or a quota but again, I know that's not everyone's opinion. Um, I can only speak for my opinion. But I just don't want to be used as a as a number. I want you to appreciate my talent and what I can bring to the role. so
0: hmm. well, maybe maybe the solution there was. I think I don't. I can't remember what company were doing it. But so every applicant, there was no names. So they yeah. they found they found that people if they were seeing a name that was. Um, Say like foreign-sounding, that person wouldn't get the job just by their name before the interview. So if you if you get rid of names and everyone's got an equal opportunity, at least before the interviewing process. Um. So, what do you think of defunding the police in America? Do you think Do you think that's a good idea? I I, I I'm I'm struggling with what it means. Um, I think a lot. I think calling it defunding the police basically means that you're you're t- you're getting rid of the police system, when really that's not the intention.
1: Um, the way I've seen it described online, I don't agree with defunding the police. First of all, okay. because then what would we do? That just because you know, if you take police away, there's still going to be crime. That, that, that's that's yeah. never going to change. So. Um, the way I've seen it described online is people are saying that it's not so much defunding the police, but it's taking some of the funding and putting it into right. black education, black school schooling, you know, um, sports schemes, things like that. My worry is again we're we're overlooking the point of what's happened. It wasn't the money that killed George Floyd. It's the training. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. need that funding to retrain the police. It wasn't the it wasn't the literal dollar bills that you know killed George Floyd. It it was the training of the police force, and until we address the training of the police force, nothing's going to change because that is the root of the issue. And you've got to start from the root and work your way up. So. No, I I don't agree with defunding the police. I think put that money into making sure that the government, like Donald Trump and the um, Republicans or whoever gets in next, um, really puts that money towards taking even more of a British approach. Not saying that we're perfect, but I think more of a British approach to how they deal with criminals. I did see, I think it was Donald Trump is starting to look at um, not a Trump fan by any means, but I think he is starting to look at ways where they can use less force and retrain the police. And I think they're um, looking at taking away, developing kind of non-fatal firearms, so maybe rubber bullets or things like that. So it's a step in the right direction. But to do that, they need funding to get those yeah. tested and you know safe safeguarded. They need funding. So. I don't believe defunding the police entirely, if that's what people mean, if people are talking about the funding, I think yes, maybe if they're overfunded, maybe take some of that and implement it in other schemes, but to defund the police, uh, that's very idealistic, because as soon as something really bad happens, people will be going, well, where were the police, you know, where where were the police, Um, so we've just got to be logical. We really do, I'm in complete support of the movement, I'm mixed race, proudly, Um, completely empathise that I'm a lot more privileged than a lot of people have been, especially in the UK. Um, But we need to look at this objectively and take our own feelings out of it a little bit and think a little bit more laterally and in kind of government terms. How is this going to work in society? Because we are a society. So yeah, no, I wouldn't say defund the police.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in terms of
1: sorry,
0: (laughs) no, 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 that's that's good. Um, In terms of trends, do you think the 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 hashtagging, the the Blackout Tuesday? Do you think that's a positive thing? Because I I think I think I think it is a very positive thing. I think trends work. That that's why there are trends that they have. Mm -hmm. We've gotten people speaking, but there there's certain negatives where people use it just genuinely because it's a trend or people attacking people who like didn't get the memo that Blackout Tuesday was happening and maybe they like, posted a picture of their food or something like that and people mm-hmm. did get offended. I think it was um, Emma Watson done that. She had posted something and people were attacking her, calling her a racist. So do you think, do you think trends, the, out, the goods outweighs the bad in that, in that sense?
1: Do you know, I was in full support of other people doing it, um, but funnily enough, I didn't do it. <laughs> Um, I didn't put the black square but I was in full support of people doing that because that was at their very initial stages and I think like you're saying it was really building momentum at that point so for millions of people to get in on that that was great because it meant that people were listening and they were participating and they were starting to understand what the movement was all about I think that's great. Um, Disingenuous. I mean, the only time I would find that a little bit disingenuous, I would say, is when people would post the black square and you've not heard anything from them since. Yeah. You know, there's been no conversation from them since. What's the point? You know, like, I would rather you just say you don't know enough about it, or you were only supporting for that one day than pretending you're really into it. I don't know. I think people can do what they they want. If they want to post the black square, great. Um, I definitely think celebrities, but you should you should do it from us. Sorry to edit the because I'm waffling a bit. Um, it's a hard one. It's yeah, a hard okay. one. I, I I didn't personally put a black square because I want to do more work where I'm doing like videos or I'm doing articles, and that's my way of raising awareness for things. I get not everybody has that. Access or ability, and you know, that's fine, um, or they have other they work in something completely different, um, and that's okay. So, maybe social media is the way that they express themselves, and that's what it's for. Um, the black squares again, I, I, did, I was really happy to see people were doing it, but the people who haven't really said much else, I think. Um, don't just jump on a bandwagon, like ask questions to your ethnic friend, phone the map, you know, like have a conversation. Um, but again, we cannot police everyone's life. It's not, it's not fair for our own mental sanity and it's not really fair to other people to put that constant pressure on people either. Um, as long as they're for me, as long as someone's not racist and they're asking me questions and they're interested about my culture, or not that I have much, I'm a Jody, but um, you know, they're interested <laughs> in drinking. Um, you're interested in my culture. Um, I think I can't really ask much more of people, you
0: know? I think, I think one of the most helpful things for me was the people sharing articles, sharing information, because I, yeah. I, like, you'd click on that, you'd have a quick read of it, and that's something that you wouldn't have um, known before. And also having conversations with people where mm-hmm. non-judgmental spaces, where anything you say that might be out of ignorance or it might be a term defensive, you're not going to get shut down for it. What yeah. I'll say now is also if you if you got any, are you, are you hopeful for the future? Are you optimistic about it?
1: Yes, but I definitely think we need to do more than just sitting online. I honestly do. I think online's great, but then put that energy, like I said again, into actually I mean, I say educating yourself. Get into those jobs. Get into Parliament. Get into the media. Get into science. Get into speaking. Um, anything that you can do that you enjoy that's going to drive change forward because I think a lot of my friends I'm really proud of them they've been post um you know black white mixed ethnic they've all been posting things on Instagram and that's great but where do we see these posts once a 24-hour story is up Where, where do we see those posts who's going to remember what you've written on your stories and again people can only do so much so I think we need to maybe not pressure ourselves either to do too much I think one friend I had she was like I've just taken a break she's like I can't be a good ally if I'm exhausted I can't be a good ally if I'm you know tired out so I definitely think don't put too much pressure on yourself or others but try and do as much as you can whether that's Putting your own um, insecurities or lack of confidence aside and going into schools and even just talking to a group of teachers or kids, anything that you can think of that you can do to drive it forward. I'm optimistic, but at the moment, I'm feeling to see. I don't think anyone really knows where the, what the end goal is. Like they've not. Is the end goal that we have no police? You know. We disadvantage another group of people to benefit one group, and then that's not equality. Um, no one can joke anymore. No one can make you know watch Peep Show anymore on Netflix, or you know, is that? I, I know I keep bringing up Peep Show. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm like, no, not Peep Show. But um, you know, I think we just have to watch that we're not like like I said earlier that we're not putting too much wasted energy into things that realistically don't matter. Mm -hmm. and forfeiting the energy that we could be putting into to making our voices heard in a more productive way like speaking to an mp you know making petitions there's so many other things that we could be doing um but i do think social media is really important so like i said i'm really happy to see a lot of my friends um whatever race are really going hard on social media and i think that's great um because that is ultimately how we're going to educate people and see change where we live in a social media world especially with so that's all we can do right now really is educate through the internet so i think it's good but i just i am optimistic but again like anything it's going to take a while
0: yeah i think it's it's also important i think for people who watch news or for people maybe to start realizing what news sources they watch and maybe start like widening widening it widening it a bit and um Maybe if they're looking at predominantly left-leaning newspaper, maybe start looking at the right and just see what the conversation is on the other side. And then yes, yeah. you can see how they're thinking. And don't, don't if someone says something that seems slightly conservative, don't call them a Tory and then shut them down. Because it makes people, it makes people embarrassed to speak about anything if they're worried about being called a Tory, even or even if they are conservative. Mm-hmm. People will hide that if we're, if we're going to shut them down. Thing. funny
1: I, I love when you know I'm thinking of things and then people talk about it and it kind of confirms what I'm thinking like yeah. I'm very much I like to call myself a centrist <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I'm very much centrefold now because there's some things I take from the left and I yeah, think yeah. yeah you're completely right you know and then there's other things I take from the right and one thing I think a lot of males say to me is that they're like you can actually listen to my opinion you know maybe males who are slightly more right leaning they're like oh my god i didn't think that you would appreciate my opinion i thought you would shout at me and be angry at me and i'm like well no because i don't have to agree with you but maybe something i say will make you think and maybe something you say will make me think and then through that we can collaborate our ideas rather than me just dismissing you completely um mm-hmm. And then that means that I'm not widening my approach. I'm not widening my mindset. If I just think that I'm right all the time, then I'm never going to learn and I'm not going to listen to other people. So I think it is really important. You don't have to agree um, with people, but you can respect why someone's came to that opinion because everyone really, you come to conclusions based on your own life experience, the research you've done, things you've read, but a lot of it is about experience which forms your, I think, I'm going to totally steal this from my interview I did with someone else the other day, but I think my interviewee said, um, how you see yourself is how you see the rest of the world. Um, But as long as you're allowing people to teach you new things, I think you've got to keep an open mind, because what do they say, the black man has more in common with the working class man than he does the elite, which is so true. So we can't just dismiss people because otherwise, you know, we will we'll never find a common ground if we're unwilling to hear each other's points of view. Mm-hmm. I
0: think, so yeah, I think it, it, it seems to be predominantly like the, the left are shutting down people on the right. Um, and I just think that mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not, it's not helping anything if you're, if you're going to start um, um, reinforcing your kind of echo chamber
1: mm-hmm.
0: thing. Everything you say or everything you think is being reinforced by whatever you read. So Mm -hmm. widen that circle, speak to people from different viewpoints and you might change and try and be open-minded to change your mind. Because a lot of people are so unwilling to change their mind that Mm -hmm. they just dismiss everything even if Mm -hmm. if it might prove what they've been thinking is wrong.
1: And I can guarantee that somewhere along the line you'll agree with something. Yeah. And that's the thing, but you have to be willing to have that conversation with people. but like I said I can guarantee if you spoke to somebody who say you 're really left leaning and you spoke to someone who's a little bit more right leaning or really left uh, right leaning, I can guarantee that you'll have something at some point in common, whether that's a life circumstance or a viewpoint or you know the way you 've been treated at some point whatever it may be i'm sure you'll have and also the definition of left and right has definitely changed. Um, yeah, yeah that's a different conversation but it's definitely changed so I think we need to like, maybe have a new political party I don't a more centerful I, I don't know a more fold mm-hmm. that speaks for everybody I, I don't know how it will look right. again change is going to take time
0: yeah annoyingly I think that the, the in my last episode it was on drug policy and mm-hmm. one of the people I interviewed was an activist and he was he was basically conveyed how annoyingly slow. It takes like he's so frustrated at how slow this sort of change takes I mean how long have we been talking about race and how and it's, we're still not there yet and it must be it just must be very frustrating for people who are um living that ex- experience especially in America as well.
1: Yeah definitely but then I'm sure again the next generation are going to have maybe other issues that they're dealing with, whether that's nuclear war or, I don't know, something else, you know, like, I'm sure they're going to have things that we might see change, the change that we wanted, and that's just the law of life, unfortunately, it's all to balance it out, so I think we'll get there, I'm optimistic, I'm optimistic, I think we will get there, but, um, yeah, it's just going to take a bit of time. I like think I said that like twenty times, but it's long <laughs> the day. <laughs> what will be, will be, but we yeah. can drive change forward. Definitely,
0: yeah, that's a good place to end. Um, an optimistic yeah. place to end, at least. Um, so, yeah, where, where can um, people follow you, stay updated on what what you're doing, see your projects, stuff like that.
1: So I have a website, oliviaotiba.com. So that's O-T-I-G-B-A-H. I thought I might just spell it because no one can. So it's just oliviaotiba.com, www.oliviaotiba.com. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at, at OliviaOtiba, um, and then Twitter at Olivia Otiba as well. Um, so if you give me a follow, I do follow back. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and you can find my articles on my website and my videos are on YouTube and things like that. So
0: thank thank you you very much for your time well
1: thank thank you you for having me
0: so thank you so much for listening if you haven't already please subscribe to the show it does mean a lot you can also watch the show on my YouTube channel which is GT Media UK and there's also a lot more content on my website gtmedia.uk I also have a Patreon account so if you think this show is worth something um, please contribute it's patreon.com gtmedia.uk if you can't afford it then please don't worry about it. Just you listening or subscribing is definitely enough to keep the show going. So I'll see you next time for the next episode of In Context.